Yo, what's up everybody? So, today is Monday, fucking, what day is it even? 23, 11-23-2020, about 5pm, oh, it's fucking, fucking Monday, this defeat Monday, man, um, the Las Vegas Raiders suffered a defeat last night. I don't. It wasn't a crushing defeat, but I don't know. We we really lost the game. I don't know. Offensively, the Raiders did well, but they just lost. Um. But yeah. So today's episode, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Raiders football game. I'm gonna talk to you guys a little bit about the show I was been watching. Probably watched half of the episodes called. Um, my next guest with David, David, or Dave Letterman. Um, do I like this show? Uh, I kind of find his, his, I never really, okay, we'll start there before I dive into the Raiders, because I don't really got much to say other than they fucking lost, but David Letterman, I've been watching this show uh, my, it's called My Next Guest Is, I think, and he's, he probably has, like, a dozen interviews. Now, I've watched probably six or seven of them. I've watched Robert Downey Jr.'s, Barack Obama's, uh, Howard Stern's, Jay-Z's, Tina Haddish, or Tiffany Haddish, or Tina Haddish. I've watched, um... Uh, who else did I watch with his? Dave Chappelle. I think I've watched somebody else's as well. Maybe Lizzo's? Not, not really 100% sure. Or no, Ellen, Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres. So I watched all of those. Now, I don't know what to expect, which why, but I just was seeing something with Dave Chappelle on my next guest, and I was like, oh, let me check it out. And I was like, yo, you can watch all these other ones with Dave Letterman, and it's my next guest, and he does, like, fucking, I guess he's back to his old antics of doing interviews, and it's kind of like, he, he does it in front of, it's not in a studio setting anymore, it's more like in a concert stage setting type of deal, Kind of like there's a live audience, but it's not like the live audience you would see on like a sitcom where they automate and generate the laughs. But it's kind of like he's on stage and he brings him out and he talks to the people. Now, I started off with <coughs> Howard Stern's interview. <coughs> and shit, I got the COVID? Maybe. Ooh, the fucking COVID, bro. But he start, he, his opening Netflix thing is with Howard Stern, and it's an interesting take on, like, a late night kind of the interviews, like Ellen DeGeneres type of show. It's an interesting take on that because it's a little bit more R-rated. Uh, it's not quite exactly like... You get on fucking one of these 
slouches right now. I can't think of even the fucking guy's name, but um, there are several of those people that have shows like that right now. You got why can't I think of anybody's name? Not Adam Carolla, but you got uh, I don't know. I can't think of I can't think of the late night. Stephen Colbert has one. Okay, that's one. I can't think of any of those other turd balls names other than Stephen Colbert. And I'm not even sure Stephen Colbert is a late night. I could be getting the people all fucking mixed up. But you get what I'm saying, right? There's these late night talk shows. They're supposed to be funny. Supposed to have musical guests. They're not quite Saturday Night Live, but they're not quite... uh, like, you know, interviewing for a big network, like 60 Minutes. But it's supposed to be, like, the lighter side. Uh, so that that's what it is. Um, but it's a little bit more R-rated, which I kind of enjoy, like, so you don't get bleeps. And you don't get the commercials in between the interviews. I, I, from what I've seen of his show so far, one David Letterman, Dave Letterman, the very first one, he like they kind of talk like straight through it. Uh, as he progressed, I think he talks a little bit. Then they cut away to like him doing something with the guest, and then they go back to talking, and then they they cut away again. So he kind of inter- has these interruptions and pauses in the interview, and I'm not exactly sure how the how long these interviews are. Or these when these sit downs are because I'm I'm under the impression that they sit down and talk to him for like an hour or two, but you don't get an hour or two straight interview. You get like 40 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, and there's like different interruptions that he does to kind of segue or just kind of like break pace, so it's not so mundane and just straight through just talking um but i i feel like <clears throat> you know he's he's not i never really liked that kind of a show i really don't watch anything like that like i don't watch ellen degeneres i don't watch wendy williams i don't watch Jay Leno, or I never watched David Letterman too much. I never really cared for any of these new guys that have their shows like that either. I don't really, you know, to me it doesn't, to me I don't really, you know, doesn't really interest me in, in, in a sense. Like I do, I do like interviews and stuff, like, like hearing what people have to say, but I don't really like, Late night, whatever it is, talk shows, to me, is not, it's not the move. It's just not. But this one is not entirely like a late night atmosphere because you're watching out your own piss. And I think that's what he's doing a little bit better. If I may, if depending on his guests and depending on my interest level of his guests uh, going forward, I may tune in. I Like I said, I, I'm going to finish. I got to watch. Tina Fey's, 
I want to watch uh, the Kardashian one, and I may or may not watch the Kanye one. I want to watch the Lizzo one, so that's... I, I kind of don't have no interest in George Clooney. I don't have no interest in... I think he's got Zach Galifianakis, and I think he's... There's a couple of... Like, there's another interview or two that I'm like, uh, I keep, keep kind of, like, skipping over. Like, I don't know who that person is. I don't really care to watch. And that's kind of that's kind of what I feel is different between if you're watching the late night shows because that's what's on. You want to laugh and you want to hear some interview. Uh, they're gonna throw in a bunch of shit at you to fill in the time to get you to that interview, and then that interview may or may not be long or short. May not ask the questions you want to hear, and then on top of all that, you have to sit through commercials. So th- this Netflix one, like I, I think. Uh, it, he's transit. He he's making the transition. I think better. I think now that I think about it, Ellen DeGeneres. I know she's got a little trouble with her daytime talk show. I think she should be on Netflix doing these episodes. Maybe you know have her spin on it. And she's actually on Dave Letterman's. You know, and I kind of feel like that should be. The way going forward, because I can't stand commercial myself. So, anyways, I watched it. I watched, like I said, it started off with Howard Stern. The interview was good. They kind of talked about, and I guess that's the experience of Dave Letterman. He, he talked about, you know, how Howard Stern got started. You know, what was really the moment he took off. You know, how he met Robin Quivers. Um, you know, his dominance at the top, what it took. You know, with the toll it took on his family, you know, and all sorts of things. Just you know, and I kind of felt that the interview was good. You know, I, I follow uh, Howard Stern on Instagram, and I wa- I watch his reels. Like I really like how Howard Stern has now become more accessible to the free market. I if I I don't know if I would ever pay for serious. That's the only drawback to listening to Howard Stern in general. You have to pay for series, and then you have to actually tune in. And to me, that is that's one step is already hard, and then it's another step that's even harder. Not that if you you know if you buy it and it, if I was stuck in the car all day, I mean I guess I would, but I'm not in the car all day. I like listening to music, you know my music. I have my Apple Music, so I can't. So, I mean, but I like, like, I watch when he does interviews and he breaks down, like, he does hour-long interviews, too, on the radio, radio interviews, but he breaks them down, he'll give you, like, four different or five different Instagram, he'll give you, like, the highlights of his, but he'll give you four over a couple days span, and I do, I do tune in and watch those, like, I watched him talk to uh, Slash, I watched him talk to Metallica recently, I watched him talk to, uh, some of his throwback interviews with uh, Steve Austin and so on and so forth. So I, I naturally I watched him get an interview by David Letterman and I and I didn't know but they were uh, they were beefing at one point, which I found kind of you know not ironic but I found kind of like damn like you don't see the beef as much these days. There you know I would love for the beef to be a little bit more 
Because it seems like a lot of people tiptoe around just to, oh, he's good, he's not. But, like, even in the sports, I want to see some beef. I want to see, you know, motherfuckers, like, that really don't like each other. And instead, everybody kind of, they're friendly and they just play the game. But that's besides the point. Uh, so I started there. I watched Robert Downey Jr.'s. I felt that interview, actually, I didn't know, but I don't really know it. This is like the third or fourth or fifth interview I've seen with Robert Downey Jr. in recent times. And he's a bit of a, he's a, like a nutcase. <laughs> like Robert Downey Jr. got a lot going on. Um, it's interesting to see his, you know, his take on everything because it's kind of like Robert Downey Jr. Uh, to me, like he wants to be himself funny or that's how he presents himself, like almost like a whimsical kind of like a guest or that's, but I don't really know if he, if he's like that. 24-7. As a matter of fact, he kind of, to me, there's a, you know, when he's being interviewed by the U.S. National Department in Iron Man, I think it's Iron Man 2, or by the, the Secretary of Defense, I forgot the guy's name, in the very beginning of the movie, and he rolls up, <coughs> How that interview is, is kind of like how he was the entire David Letterman interview. And that was like, I, but I don't know if that's him acting. It's just so weird. Like I, But then again, he was kind of like that on Joe, the Joe Rogan podcast. I watched, and I just randomly watched that because I wanted to hear about Tropic Thunder. I don't know. I don't know what I was Googling to find. Joe Rogan talking about Tropic Thunder Robert Downey Jr., um, which I found fascinating. But it's kind of like that, too, on there. Kind of like... He, he, it's, it's almost a whimsical take, but it's also kind of like scatter, scatterbrain. So I, I was just like, damn, like maybe he's maybe he's just really like that. Maybe, he's just, maybe it's just high, brimming energy, you know. Kind of like thoughts are bouncing every which way in his head and, you know... And that translates into himself. So, you know, but that interview was good. Then I watched uh, watched the interview with Jay Z, you know, which I found good as well. I mean, Jay Z's got, you know, him and him and Jay Z. Jay Z got a lot to say about a lot of different things. Um, you know, you learn about his childhood, about how he. He almost didn't make it as a rapper. Why not? He almost got locked up early on in his career, and then from kicking with the wrong, the wrong crowd. But so there was that. You know, talked a little bit about you know his rise and just the different. Uh, to me, watching his interview and watching him discuss rap, uh, he made a lot of fucking sense. Um, especially when it comes down to vocals, like he pretty much said, you know, like some people got the talented voice, like Snoop Dogg, and 
And then he said, and then some people just have a voice that's musically talented, like Eminem. Like you could just like the voc the vocals almost become a percussion in the song. And I was like, damn, I never actually thought about that, but he's right. Like the music behind some of Snoop's early music, mostly Snoop carried carried the songs because the music was kind of yeah, they're they're iconic beats now. But if you really listen to them, they're like. Yo, dog, what the fuck? Like, the beats were actually kind of whack. And actually, that was kind of a West Coast type of deal until Dre really, like, upped the ante. Like, we kind of had some funky beats. Um, especially Easy es old shit, you know? So, But I, I kind of see what Jay-Z was talking about. That Snoop, he's, you know, he said, I guess he likes Snoop's voice, like, and he's right. Like now, that I think about it, like Snoop's voice actually was musical. You know, he made the music. So it was interesting li- li- watching Jay Z's. Uh, Tiffany Haddish. I've seen her some like a movie or two from her. I didn't know how famous she is, but I didn't know she was from. I fucking I think she's in Compton and she's still living there. Wild, wildly enough, but honestly, she's not that uber famous to where. Like, I think people could find her. I just, to me, it's kind of, it's kind of wild, like. Oh, like, damn, she's living there? She, I thought maybe, I thought when, you know, I, everybody, when they get famous, I think they just up and move out of where they're living and go to somewhere better. But I guess not, I guess not Tiffany. I mean, I guess she's just been, and I'm, she was homeless for a little bit. She was in the foster care system. Didn't know none of that, you know. That was interesting to, and then just find, you know, finding out that she would go to the Laugh Factory and just fucking chop it up. That was interesting. Um, Ellen DeGeneres too. Ellen, Ellen's, you know, I didn't know, but I watched Ellen DeGeneres' stand up. I watched like half or three quarter of it because I stopped watching it. Um. Like half or three quarters. I never got around to finish to it. But I know that came out within like the last year or so. And I didn't know. But I guess. She started. Uh, that process after she got that. Medal of Honor from. Obama. Which is an instant classic meme. If you know. I mean I've seen that meme everywhere. When she's got the metal around her and she's like it it looks like she's bawling out crying which i mean i guess i would too but everybody's like when you're fucking high at the family function you gotta hold it in <laughs> i've i know you've seen the meme with ellen and brock and she's fucking bawling out and i think that joe biden's got his own meme, but ellen's the one that they memed more but she apparently started working on her stand-up on the flight from that back home and I you know I found that kind of interesting but I also found that found out that of all things fucking uh, she was at the White House and for whatever reason she didn't have no ID no identification she was trying to get into the White House to get this award and they told her no because they're not gonna let her in so she was sitting out in the front of the White House, 
on a bench, and I guess they snapped the picture of her and posted it to the gram, and then I guess Obama had the Secret Service scoop her up <laughs> and uh, get her into the fucking ceremony. So that was kind of interesting. That, that All of that was... Her interview was interesting. She talked to, about her coming out and, you know, the diss she got from, you know, a lot of people and then how her career... You know, she was living off of fucking, like, $5,000, and that was it. And then Finding Nemo popped up, and she got onto that, and she was still kind of unemployed, and then, you know, you know, and then just things started snowballing for her to where she's at now to the, you know, Ellen gotta be. I, I don't know if she's top dog in the daytime. Uh, in the daytime talk TV talk show. But she was, I think, I think she was like one or two, like in the top. She had either been like number one or number two. Maybe Oprah, maybe, you know, The View, I'm not sure. But Ellen was running wild for a minute. Uh, so she's got she's got a lot of dollars now. I mean, I don't think she's really hurting much anymore for the cash like she was in early in her career. But not I know she just got into some trouble, and I don't really get it. Um, supposedly she was beating the me. Isn't that what you're supposed to be a fucking mean boss like in the background like? you know, teasing the people, I don't know, like, you know, the the phrase is, everybody wants to eat the bacon, they don't want to see how it's made, like, duh, just producing a fucking, a TV show, you know, it's gotta be funny, it's gotta be this, it's gotta be that, get, you know, roll out the red carpet for the guests, and make sure, you know, we need three dozen bags of Skittles and, and put only the blue ones out. Like, I get it. Like, and the fact that she was mean and degrading and belittling the people in the back, like, I mean, that goes on in every, in every company, any sport, the coaches are all on, you know, so I don't get the drama there. I mean, I think it's a little bit blown out of proportion. Um, but her interview was good, and then I watched Obama's interview. Obama's interview was good too. Uh, I like Obama myself personally; he's a fantastic president, um, one of the best of by my calculations and by my uh, opinion. He's probably the top. He's gonna go down as top five, if not top. Three presidents, you know, currently, you know, one through 46, you're definitely in the top five, uh, just on the, just on the nature of what he accomplished and, you know, everybody going to talk about his drone strikes, but he saved boots. So, you know, he didn't start the wars. He's trying to wrap them up. But we got, you know, 
everybody fucking up our ass with these ISIS and shit. Never could really wrap it up because it created a supposedly created a vacuum vortex or whatever the fuck kind of terminology you want to give you. But his interview is good. They talked a lot about you know him coming up. You know his grassroots. You know background from being in Hawaii and he was uh, overseas a little bit. He volunteered, you know, passing out flyers. It said like two people would show up to, and then he would talk about whatever housing development or, you know, he was organizing and then he, you know, started working on his political career and then he shot up all the way to the presidency. And I mean, he's probably, he's the first black president, obviously. Um, But I think he resoundingly, convincingly beat John McCain the first time and then beat Mitt Romney the second time. And to me, that's kind of like how I feel. He did a tremendous job doing it. And then, you know, he did a tremendous job in office. Obviously, he didn't get done everything he wanted to get done, but he did a lot. He gave us, he gave us an Affordable Care Act, uh, gave us, you know, steered us out of a Great Depression, you know, and he got Bin Laden. There's some, there's a lot of good things he did. So, I found his interview to be well, very well, um, and he's smart as fuck, too. I mean, you know, the way... He explained, I don't fuck, what did he explain? I don't know if it was something with economics or war or what the fuck he explained. And he brought that shit down to fucking A, B, and C. And he explained it. And I was like, God damn, that was the most brilliant answer like to a, a very complex question. I just can't remember what he was talking about. There was a lot they were talking about. Uh, then they started talking about, you know, post-presidency and, you know, how he's just been living life. And, you know, he's not faded away yet. Uh, he's still playing a big role behind the scenes. But uh, his interview was really good, too. So I, I kind of felt like that interview was good. I watched also. Who else I watched? Uh, I can't think off the top of my head, but I, as I said in the beginning, I did watch several of these episodes, and then they were pretty good. I might finish off the episode I got, like I said, I have a handful more to go. Um, overall, though, do I really find Dave Letterman funny? No. Uh, he tries to inject a little bit of humor in there and tries to... He, but he's... To me, he's a cornball. Uh, he's your typical white cornball goof. Like... I guess that's his shtick. I don't... I don't I don't really think he's how he is on stage as he is in real life. But there's a lot of things he supposedly doesn't know and a lot of things that supposedly he does know, but which would lead you to believe that... He spends a lot of time not knowing and knowing a lot of different things. 
but he knows. But I so I think so I think it's a little bit disingenuous, like some of the shit he talks about. Like, oh, I don't really know, but you know. But then he's like, I know this. Like, all right, bro, we get it. But you know, that's his that's his job. I mean, overall, the show's the show's okay. Uh, I don't I don't find it particularly like great comedy out of it. I mean, maybe you could change the the tempo, but I think I think actually the show is just if you like watch like I like Dave Chappelle. So I watched his interview, I gotta see like his hometown, how he grew up and all that. And I kinda find that kinda interesting. It's just a little different side of the coin you don't really see, you know. Uh like I said, I watched Howard Center, I watched how he grew up, I watched Robert Downey Jr. Didn't know Robert Downey Jr.'s dad was also an actor, movie director, whatever it was. And Robert Downey Jr. has this, you know, he's 50s or I don't know how old he is now, but he's been at this acting craft for a while, for a long time. And he's has, he's in, I think they talked about it like, he's been, he's in a lot of movies. Um, also talked about his little bit of prison time. So, but I mean, it's, to me, I kind of like, the interviews is like Dave tries to go from the young to where they're at, how they got there, what was the moment. He's pretty good at the interview. Is it funny? Not really. But it's a good interview, so do I recommend what I'll you know, may I'm I might watch these episodes and watch them pending who he's interviewing. So I know right now they might they're probably not interviewing anybody. But as soon as COVID's over and shit can get back to normal, I think he's going to go back to interviewing because I don't think he's done. I think this is like he needed something to do. You know, as, as anybody, everybody needs something to do. Uh, and that's just what he's doing. So that was cool. Uh, but moving on, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the Raiders and then I'm going to talk just briefly about where I'm at in One Piece. So... As soon as I finish up season, the whole entire season one of One Piece, I'm going to talk about it, you know, all together, you know, instead of it being a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, but anyway, let's talk about these Raiders. Um, they dropped the game 35-31 to the goddamn Chiefs. And... Seesaw matchup, uh, and I think I, I think that the tone is set. I think the Raiders are in really good shape. Uh, I know they said that last week. We dominated the Broncos. I think from I think we're gonna dominate, and we're gonna beat the teams that we're supposed to beat. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm gonna take away from this season. Uh, we just need to get tighten up things a little bit more. Uh, playing the teams that you know are the more challenging teams. You know, your your New England, your your you know the Chiefs, uh, the Ravens, and these other these Seahawks, these premier teams, the the Packers. You know, we're gonna sneak some games, but I think we could do. 
obviously every team has room for improvement. Only the Steelers are undefeated, and I don't really know if their schedule is uh, worthy of them being even labeled that. Obviously, you do have to go out and win the games, but but the Raiders are six and four. They draw. They just lost to the Chiefs. I thought they were gonna win. You know what? And for all intents and purposes, offensively, we did win. We just didn't have the ball last to score again, which is huge. That's obviously the clock ran out. That's how these games are played. Uh, we lost defensively, and I don't really blame the defense that much. I didn't practice all week. Uh, we're missing Farrow, missing uh, Lamarcus Joyner. I always get Lamarcus Joyner's name in Joyner Lucas. Like I, I get them tied up, and I, and I don't even think they have. Maybe maybe they, maybe Lamarcus listens to uh, Joyner music. Maybe Joyner knows who Lamarcus is. I don't know. But I, I mean, I highly doubt they even... But I just kind of find their names kind of similar. I don't, I don't know. I just have to throw that in there. But when he was out, you know, Trent Brown is still, I think, out. Uh, offensively, I think everybody was in there. And it showed. Uh, we didn't have that great of a run a run game outing, but uh, that was not here nor that we still put up the points. Uh, again, a couple of key drops, two big key drops by Nelson Aguilar, uh, a couple by Alec Ingold. Um, a bl- I mean, there was a couple of penalties playing. I think it was a pretty obvious pass interference in the end zone on Braylon Edwards, and I don't know who was covering him, but that guy was all over him, holding his arm. I think it was a pretty obvious pass interference. We should have had a touchdown there. I don't know if that was when that was in the game. But overall, I mean, the Chiefs came in with a good game plan. I seen they didn't want to take the deep shots like they're accustomed to. And I and I see why. Towards the end of the first half, the Chiefs had the ball. And they had gone on like a 12 or 13 play drive. But they didn't, they didn't score any points. They threw uh, Mahomes through a pick just before the end of the half. Then they came halftime. Then they came out of the half, and then they chewed up another 12 or 13 play drive. Killed, killed like nine minutes of clock. And our defense was just out there uh, that entire time. Uh, they wore them down. And you can't really wear down a, a defense if you throw it deep and hit a ball and then you score quick that you're going to wear down your own defense because we were we were hitting them too with the some long drives but because they had that long drive before half and long drive to start the third their defense was well rested for our offense uh, even though we put up the points <clears throat> uh, they were able to put up points as well on as in turn, because late in the game, very late in the game, uh, our defense, I think, was a little bit worn. 
there's confusion and just overall just you know a blown coverage you know they, they're saying that Jonathan Abram and uh, Nick Kwiatkowski but I don't really blame that happening I mean that that happens you know that's gonna happen playing Mahomes anyways they run so many things over there that it's just you know it's hard to keep track of everything uh, but where I, where I really feel that we lost the game, just, you know, we were missing Cleveland Farrell. We couldn't stop the run. And that's, to me, that was the biggest thing because late in the game, they showed, they put up the, the, what do you call that fucking, they put up the stats on the screen real quick, the ticker tape, whatever you want to call it. They, they were out rushing. It was like 120 to like 90 or we hadn't even breached 100. Uh, that was just the tell of the tape right there. Um, they outran us. Uh, they wore us down. They, they beat us offensively. You know, that's just how they beat us. They didn't beat us. It's not like they stopped us and, and we had like three turnovers, nothing like that. But we were moving the ball with ease. It's just they had, and then they had the time of possession. They had the ball longer. And when they needed that quick score late in the game, they were able to get it. And I think that a lot of it had to do with fatigue. Uh, obviously, they had the bye week. They're a little bit more crisp, you know, with the energy. And I just, I kind of feel like we just got wore down. Um, but that's no, the Chiefs didn't convince it. They didn't, it could have easily been, like I said, Aguilar had a key drop, a couple key drops. Ingle uh, had a couple key drops. Um, and I think, you know, the passing, we, this, the game could have easily, and I, and I, and, and Chiefs fans and a lot of maybe the NFL analysts are going to hype them up being nine and one and the next diet, but they, I think we, it was, aside from that, it was a convincingly, we could, we should have beat them. And I, and not only commit, we not only beat them in Kansas City week five. We should have we should have swept him. So there are some serious flaws in the Chiefs game, especially defensively. They're getting bad. Uh, they're gonna pick up a few losses. Hopefully they pick up two or three losses down the stretch because they play they play the Bucks. Hopefully there's a loss there. They play I think. Um, fuck, I don't know who they play, but I seen. I was like, you know they. They probably got two or three losses coming to them. Then they play the Saints. They play the Bucks and the Saints, and they play like another hard team somewhere down somewhere in the schedule, which I'm you know hoping is a loss. And hopefully, you know, I think the defense is just about to turn the corner for the for the Raiders. I, like I said, we pummeled the Broncos, and perhaps you know we shot our load a little bit too much. On the Broncos, but I think you know we had another turnover. Uh, we didn't get the we didn't get the sacks, but Mahomes is a hard man to to sack. Uh, we didn't have that many pass interferences. We didn't have I mean we had some penalties, but it wasn't. Well, some of it was knickknack, and our offense looked like it was like. Our offense looks like who the fuck can really stop the offense right now? 
we can run the fucking ball at you, or we can take it in the air, or we can play in some fucked up weather. We can do some shit. So I kind of feel like, offensively, this team is just about to fucking take it to the next level. Once Ruggs becomes the true threat that he needs to become, uh, and he opens up Josh Jacobs, these lanes for Jacobs and, and, and Booker, and, you know, and open up the lanes for Renfro and company, uh, the Chiefs did a good job bottling up Ruggs, and then, you know, coincidentally, we were able to stop the run a little bit better. But these are some minor adjustments. You got to tip your hat to them. They made the adjustments to us, you know, from the first game. They didn't get behind. They didn't get behind the 28 to fucking 14 or the 30-something to 14. They didn't get that far behind, although they could have. That's where I'm getting that pat, the bogus pass interference call. That wasn't called, I should say, on Braylon Edwards. Uh, that, wasn't, that was a touchdown if that's – he's not – fucking tackling him before the ball is anywhere near him. Uh, and Aguilar had a couple of drops. And I don't want to single out Aguilar because he had a touchdown and he had some catches late game, but you know, those are momentum changing things, you know. You go down the side, we're gonna, we could have easily put up another six points and that would have won the game. You know, we only lost by four. You know, the two drops he had would have put us in the field goal range at minimum. If not, we would have scored a touchdown. So it, it's just some things we got to work out. Uh, I, I like Aguilar. He shows up. Um, these drop passes is not – I know that sort of plagued him in Philly. I guess that's why they let him go. But to me, it's not something that he's been doing a lot here. And, you know, maybe we'll throw some stick on his fucking gloves and you know, something doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> some fucking stick him, bro. But I think if he catches all those passes, he's getting open because Ruggs is commanding the double. You just have to respect the fucking speed that he's put out on the field. But as soon as Aguilar catches these balls and he starts commanding the double, you know, you're going to leave Ruggs wide the fuck open. And that's an easy seven. That's a seven a game if we do it right. And that actually translates to Josh Jacobs. They could roam fucking free. Uh, we went down and scored on them with ease to open the game. So I, they were down immediately 7-0, to zero, like five or six minutes into the game. No resistance. They, the Chiefs had no defensive resistance, just like we had no defensive resistance. But actually, our defensive resistance was more due to the fact that they just kept, they just had our boys on the field like for a long-ass fucking time. So... That's what I take away. We head to Atlanta. Hopefully we can kill the birds, the dirty birds. And then we head to the Jets after that. And we should stick a fork in the Jets for doing this dirty last year. Put us at 8-4. and four. And then I think, I don't know, man. It's possible we win out and finish 12-4. and four. Although I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe 11-5 and five would be good. So 11-5 going to sit us. There's a new playoff format. And, uh... You know, hopefully we get, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's too early. There's still, there's still like six games left for us. So 
Winning out is going to be a daunting task to finish 12 and 4, but I'll take 11 and 5. Fuck it, I'll take 11 and 5. The one game I'm kind of curious is this fucking one against Miami, but I know they got some quarterback issues, and then I know the Chargers are no pushover, but we're going to have them at home, and it's going to be a different story this, this time around. It's not going to be as close as the last one, I don't think. Um, but that's it. That's my Raiders discussion for the week. Uh, I'm going to get back. We're going to talk about a little bit about One Piece. Hang tight. Yo, yo. So, I'm back. Um, a little break there. I had to uh, get something to eat. And then I got home. Oh, fuck. Got home and I, you know, I was going to work out. I was going to do laundry. I was going to do this, do that. But, you know what? I have been running on low... Um, not low energy, but low fucking, I was kind of exhausted. Um, and I just passed, I passed out probably last night, like about 7.30. I slept all the fucking way to about 3 in this morning. My alarm started going off, but I woke up before my alarm. I probably woke up at like 2.50 on the dot, 2.55. And I seen it was 2.55 and I was like, oh, I got an hour I could snooze it probably when my alarms start buzzing so but as my alarms start buzzing I kind of like snapped out of it in my head and I was just laying there you know half asleep so anyways today is Tuesday but we're going to talk about this one piece because now I'm not like dead tired in the morning I got fucking life right now fucking wide awake even though I just yawned but That's just to get the last little, uh, a little bit of sleep. I'm juiced. Fucking juiced. I don't know if you know what it means to be juiced. Uh, I got, I got the juice running through my body right now. I had a good night's sleep. Um, I double, double, uh, blanketed up. I double fucking, you know, it was, it's, right now it's just the cold. Like right now it says 48 degrees outside, but it's just cold enough to where, you don't need a heater. It's not like it's freezing. But you throw on a blanket or two and you get to that. You hit that good, like, 69, 70 degree temp and, you know, you can sleep peacefully. And then you don't get hot at the night, so you're not rolling around, kicking blankets off, so on and so forth. You know what's up. But anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit about this one piece, you know, for a few minutes here before um, I end this, wrap up this episode. Uh, so... It, to me, One Piece now, like, 50, well, I think I'm on, like, episode 46 or 47 or 48 or somewhere, somewhere in that region. It to me, they're finally starting to get, like, they kind of went through most people's backstories. Um, they went, they've gone through Usopp. Okay, so the team is, let me start with the team is now, is Sanji, Nami, Zoro, Lofi, and Yusuf. So, you got the five of them. And there's some other miscellaneous characters that they've come across that kind of have an importance. Uh, but yeah, it's Luffy, Nami, Sanji. I can't fucking pronounce that guy's. Rorono, Rorono, Zoro. Uh, Captain Usopp, but I don't know if he's, he's actually Captain, he's just fucking faking it, uh, there, the team has been assembled, it's five of them, uh, 
they just defeated Arlong, the Fishman Arlong, uh, in, I don't know, what the fuck the village is called, Kakayoshi or Kakayoshi Village, um, they just, they just, I just watched that, so the team is now assembled, uh, they're now heading for the Grand Line, finally, after talking about it, uh, Luffy and his gang are now, they've shot up to maybe, like, B rank, or I don't know if they, they don't, they don't have a ranking system, but they, you know, the Navy, or the Marines, uh, they ranked him, like, because he beat, he beat Buggy, he beat Don Krieg, he beat Arlong, and he said, they made the, they made the statement that he beat them without really having a crew, without really having, you know, much help, before he was even assembled as a pirate, he just came out, he just burst onto the scene, so they took the 30, the 10 million berries that they would give a normal pirate, and they put 30 million berries as a reward, dead or alive, on Luffy. And they said, well, this is unprecedented, unprecedented because usually, you know, a pirate only gets like 5 or 10 million to even start, you know, or even 1 million because they don't want to alarm people. He's relatively unknown. So he's got 30 million berries on his head, uh, and basically they just showed all the different people that are coming about this information, the Navy, different pirates, Buggy's randomly still over. And I knew Buggy was still alive, because they never showed what actually happened to Buggy. Uh, I'd venture to say Don Krieg is still alive, uh, Captain Kudo is still alive, I, I don't know if that's his name, the one with the long knives on his hands look like Freddy Cougar. That he had the fucking dancing feet or whatever his superpower was. Uh, that guy's still alive. Arlong technically, I believe, is still alive. They don't actually show what happened to him either. He just was beat. So now they're on this journey. Um, they just, they just got Nami, Nami-chan. We just ran through Nami's whole backstory, uh, Nojiko's story, Jinsan's story. Uh, well, actually, Jinsan, Gin, Ginchan, was taking care of Nami and uh, Nojiko when they were kids. When you know, Arlong showed up to kill, take over the city, killed uh, Nami's mom, Belamere, Belamere. Uh, in her fucking berry orchard, they fucked it all up, so they got, they showed Nami's backstory, and now she's part of, you know, Luffy's team, uh, it is very interesting to see that Luffy still has not taken not a damn thing serious, and for the 20 seconds in the show that he was serious, and Defeating Arlong, uh, he basically beat him just with the fucking one kick. So it's kind of, it, I'm trying to gauge his powers, uh, in 
engage where he's at, just with other anime characters and other, you know, things that I can, you know, just see. Uh, to me, Gone didn't take anything serious either, but he had he had the potential there to be, you know, he didn't want to go all the way either because he was he was just having fun. And to me, Luffy's just having fun too. Uh, so we're, we're, we're yet to see, I don't think we've yet to see his true potential with his gum gum ability. Gama gama. Uh, but in reality, no gun can kill him. No, from what I can see, no gun can kill him. No cannonball can kill him. No, actually no punch can kill him. I'm not sure. He's got some cuts. I'm not, in reality, the, that shouldn't kill him either. And he was bit by Arlong. And, it, and, the, and maybe because he's rubber, maybe it didn't uh, chop. That's what I was thinking. Maybe he can't be cut either. The only way that they can get close to beating him is by drowning him. That's his one weakness. He's going to be on the ocean, and they can just toss his ass in the water. But in reality, that can't beat him either because he can take a massive gulp and expand his lungs and just hold his breath. I mean, assuming he can get get that off before it gets into the water. Uh, but he's been in the water now two or three times and for like an extended period of time and that has yet to beat him either. So I think he can get better at that. Uh, they haven't got too much into his back backstory because I'm waiting for them to show up and explain when he fucking ate the devil fruit and gained his gum gum abilities. And not, and you have to, you know, you have to take into consideration. There's got to be other people. Well, I, actually, I think Buggy ate gum, uh, devil fruit as well, because he had, he has his own abilities to separate his parts of his body. So there's got to be more people out there that have eaten the devil fruit, and I'm assuming uh, they're gonna. He's gonna come across now. He's gonna start coming across with more frequency. Uh, Buggy's ability actually, uh, to me, I think is actually a little bit better than Gon's. Because not only could he separate his body, like his hand could fly off and attack you, but then he had control over it when it was unconnected. So he can't be cut. No gun can kill him either. Buggy's probably un undefeatable, even though he's not, probably not as experienced, uh, and Buggy, Buggy's just missing a crew now as well. I think Buggy actually is just as unbeatable as Luffy. I don't know how many more times their paths are going to cross. But in reality, it'd be very, it's very hard to kill Buggy. So I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, and, he, and he does come back. And now he's stuck in a little form because uh, Luffy took away most of his middle parts. So he's like... He's like two feet tall now. <laughs> I just happened to um, he met up, and actually most of the characters that Luffy has got, none of them are dead. None of them, they're all just like kind of beaten. They're all kind of just there. They kind of glanced over everybody, like everybody's little story. So it'd be interesting to see. I, I, I'm gonna try to 
finished watching, I gotta get to like episode like 60 something before it ends up on being on like season two. So I'm, I'm getting close. Now, and now the show's get to me now the show's getting a little bit better. Uh, and what I mean a little bit better, I mean, now I think they're kind of doing things. It's not kind of just like they're, he's gathering a team. Um, it's kind of interesting to see too, uh, Zoro's fucking ascension. He's all, to me, he's already, they, he's, he's obviously not number one. Hawkeye Mihawk is fucking there. And I don't know how long that guy's going to be number one, but he just, I guess he's friends with, uh, Shanks. I think that's that guy's name, Shanks. Uh, Luffy's fucking the guy who gave him the straw hat. Uh, but he's friends with the uh, Mihawk. And, or well, allegedly, well, I don't know, they got some sort of rivalry going on. But they were getting drunk in the island right now. So I don't know, Luffy, Luffy, uh, word got to Shanks that Luffy is now, um, coming up. So. Zoro is officially behind Hawkeye. Hawkeye Mihawk. <laughs> uh, he's behind him in the sword ranking, but he's already beaten some fishmen with his sword. Uh, he fucked up the octopus, man. So his his ascension, too, is coming up. And if it wasn't for uh, the girl dying in his backstory, he might be... He might be the number one, but he, obviously that girl would have been above him. But so I, I think he's probably like, in reality, he's probably like a third or fourth, because I, I don't think Hawkeye is just uh, Hawkeye is the number one that made it seem so far as he can cut a whole ship with his sword in half. As a matter of fact, nobody even fucked with him. No, nobody fucks with him. He fucked up all of Don Creek's ship in seconds, supposedly. The whole fleet of ships, as a matter of fact. And uh, and I was just trying to get into the Grand Line. Don Creek couldn't get into the Grand Line. Anyways, so he's got a ways to go, but it's going to be interesting to see his three... Because he hasn't been using the three-sword the three sword technique. He's just kind of fucking fucking around with one sword right now. Uh, kind of following his... Nami, Nami Sanji's and Usopp's stories kind of... They kind of ended. They're just part of the team. They don't have a really... Not, Nami wants to be this legendary uh, fucking charts lady. Sanji just wants to get to where all four sees me and eat and cook some of the food there. And see what... He just wants to be a better cook. Usopp... I don't really know what Usopp's doing, but he's kind of like the clown character of the whole bunch. Like, Even though Luffy's kind of like lighthearted, but Usopp is just kind of like supposed to be the overly funny character um but that's where we're at i'm gonna try like i said i'm gonna try to finish up this season one and i'm gonna talk about it in in full length you know i just wanted to you know go where i was at and, and honestly i'm gonna watch the whole netflix one which i think it's like 200 or 300 episodes and then then starts the real dog leg of the journey where i have to watch that shit on um on Crunchyroll and with the commercials and it's one episode being 20 something minutes might turn into 30 something minutes and and so 
you're gonna take me a lot longer to fucking watch. To watch One Piece that way, but uh, I started it. I don't know when I'm gonna finish it. Obviously, there's like eight or nine hundred. Um, and I picked this one over Dragon Ball Z and so on because Dragon Ball Z is, is fucking just as long. And I think I kind of missed the wave of Dragon Ball Z. Go One Piece. One Piece, you know, nobody from my high school wasn't talking about it, you know, and nobody was really, like, into One Piece when I was in high school, so I'm, like, I kind of dodged, dodging that, hopping on the bandwagon shit. I mean, I may eventually get into Dragon Ball Z at one point and watch it, but it's not there for me yet. Uh, I've watched most of the big ones, uh, the big anime, so... One Piece is one of the ones that is a bigger one that everybody talks about. And, and honestly, it's I'm starting, as far as the reason why I'm watching anime, I mean, I'm starting to actually really, you know, get the hang of the language a little bit. I can see it a little bit better. It's just repetition. I've been at this already for a year and a half or two, and I'm starting to finally, you know, you know, I, I kind of figure out, that's how I'm saying, hey, it's me. Like, I'm Daniel, you know. Orewa. And then you got Orewa and Watashiwa, so. I'm, you know, I'm figuring out the language pretty good, so. We're getting, getting a little bit more the hang of it. But either way, you guys, uh, that's it for this episode. I'm going to wrap this one up here, and, uh. I'll see you guys next week or chat with you guys next week. All right, laters.